Okay, guys, so we've got Steam, um, Steve Sims on the show today, someone that I was originally projecting my my judgments on. I thought that he came across cold, Steve, and I thought that maybe Steve was just about facades. I did, Steve. But then I tuned in to your podcast and I came realized that he is authentic, down to earth, and he promotes being himself. I scared you, Steve, pre-being yourself. So I'm glad to have you on the show today, Steve, um, to talk all about you, your journey, all the way from London to what you started doing as a doorman, bricklayer, to making contacts and teaching people how they can potentially make their network their net worth by being strategic and learning how to make things happen, make shit happen, as your book says. So thanks, Steve, for coming on the show today. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's a, good. good to chat with you. I didn't know I came across as cold, though. You- to me, unusually enough, for some reason, I guess, like, the thing that I have is that I really like genuine people, right, authentic people. So, and as you know, there's a lot of coaches in the industry, just like you state on your website, that preach, they talk a lot, right? And it's all oh, a yeah. facade. So, yeah. the moment that I read anything about making your network and net worth or meeting influential people, I get turned off. But the way that you've been talking about it during your podcast is really um, attractive to me. And, guys, we're all going to get into that soon, so stay tuned. Now, Steve is a podcaster, he's a coach, he's the CEO of a um, company called Bluefish, is that correct? Yeah. Cool, awesome. And um, he's also released a book called Bluefishing, which walks you through all the strategies and 16 principles in regards to how to get shit done in life. Um, Steve, what was life like? Were you born in London? Yeah, Were you the born- only Yeah, I was born just outside of London, a place called Reading, uh, famous for Queen Victoria being born there. And then I was raised up in East London. Um, This was way before the internet, way Mm -hmm. before Instagram could point out how inadequate my life was. Better times. Yeah, different times, very different times. And I just wanted – I knew what being poor was like because I was poor and it stank. But I didn't know how to get a mentor. I didn't know what the bloody hell a coach was. I didn't know what a successful person looked like. The only thing that I could look at was – the movies on a Friday mm-hmm. night when you, that was the only time I ever got to see that there was a planet anywhere else. It was the TV and the movies. Yeah. I don't know. I think those times are good. Less social media pressure. Um, there was something good about those times when social media wasn't around. What's your opinion on social media these days? It's great. And it's evil. Um, yeah. It really depends. It really depends on how you're using it. You know, mm. the, the, the internet is horrible and horrendous, yet it's also life-saving and brilliantly connective. Um, yeah. So it really depends on how you actually use the tool. The downside is I think a lot of people are using it, especially for social, to show up as people that they are not yes. and showing up full of shit and full of scam. Absolutely. Showing up full of shit and full of scammed. Exactly. Scam. Exactly right. Um, all right. What was your childhood like? Were you the only child? Were you a confident child? Um, no, I was the only child, but I was brash, but I was insecure. And a lot of people that are brash and I would say, you know, I was never a bully, but I was never the one I was, I'd never back away from a fight. Love so okay. I was the guy that was kind of full of himself and could I look at me, I'm tough, I'm hard, all that kind of shit, because deep down inside I was insecure. Did yeah. people look at me as being stupid? Was I yeah. ignorant? You know, so I had a facade at that yeah. time uh, when I was young. And as a teenager, they always say, hey, would you like to go back and visit yourself? Hell no. You know, that that kid was a nightmare, was a cocktail of just 
panic, insecurity, you know, uh, bravado. I'm glad it got out of me in a very early age, but um, yeah. no, I wouldn't say I was secure. Interesting. Well, not many people are, but you own it and own up to it because everybody's got insecurities. And I believe that if somebody doesn't have insecurities, they might have an issue such as massive narcissism to think that their shit don't stink. So I value people who claim to not be perfect and are not perfect. Bonjour. Some of us around here are into astrology. What's your star sign? I'm a Leo. Interesting. I'm Aries. So we're fire signs, best matches. Cool. Now, would you consider, would you consider yourself a spontaneous or a strategic person, Steve? Um, I was spontaneous. Now I'm strategic. Smarty pants. Okay. And because um, I, I got it, I got into so much trouble being spontaneous. Yeah. And I think that education taught me that way too many times the shit that I got into that I shouldn't have. Yeah. Was because I, I bought into the bullshit of it. So yeah. now, quite simply, I think to myself, okay, what I'm about to do, does it move the needle? Does it make me smile? Does it make me happy? Does nice. it make me more educated? Does it make me richer? Does it make Love me grow? That. Does it challenge me? And if all of those things are a yes, then it wins the strategy curve and I'll do it. But spontaneity, you spoke mm. earlier about how cynical you were about coaches. Yeah. I've, taught, I've taught myself Mm -hmm. to be cynical about pretty much everything that I do now. Okay. So once it gets over that cynicism, mm. I know I can give it my 100%. Interesting. Say that again once you're about the cynicism. One, well, I'm cynical about everything. So once mm -hmm. that thing, that item, that event, that relationship, that conversation, once it's got over that cynicism mm -hmm. and is validated to me that this is going to move the needle, mm -hmm. then I can jump in at 100%. All right. So can you give us an example of your cynicism at work? Yeah. Well, because I, I ran a, a concierge firm, which was the, the world's leading experiential firm for billionaires. Of course, I got so many celebrities going, hey, let's do this together. In the early days, I would look at it and go, oh, my God, yes, this, this big celebrity. Mm -hmm. And then I'd suddenly find out that I'd get 100 grand and they'd get a million. And I'd be like, really? hang on. I'm doing mm -hmm. all the work and now getting all the money. So exactly right. I realized I was getting screwed over. So now I look at it and I go, hey, that sounds good, but is it good? And so now I start questioning everything to the point of annoyance. Uh, and that's really worked out well for me. Okay. I love that. So I, um, if I was to make a guess, I believe that you're not into mysticism, you're not into law of attraction or energy, quantum, quantum energy manipulation are you into that those stuff are you into the law of attraction um i don't know because i'm not educated on it um okay, how so that that, uh, that that would probably be my answer i wouldn't say no sure. uh, again i'm cynical about everything but i'm also uh, incredibly open to hear oh i love that all right so the answer i'm going to take it as a you just don't know right now and that's awesome yeah. the reason it's awesome is because there's a large community um, that are into the law of attraction, co-creating your best life. It's all about choosing, um, visualizing what you want, becoming clear with the intention, aligning yourself with those actions, taking action, but also having blind faith that the universe will provide. The reason I'm glad that you said no is because sometimes I'm sure that many other people feel this way. Sometimes when I'm cynical, when I'm negative, when I'm burnt out like last night and I'm tired, I feel as though I'm ruining my energy. I'm not going to co-create the best things in my life or opportunities because my vibration is not so high. But here you are, sometimes cynical, not jumping over the moon at every opportunity and analysing things. And you're succeeding. You're making the right moves. So I like that. And then what you just said 
I agree with. Um, I very much look at, if that's what the law of attraction is, then yeah, I'm a believer. Then you are, because you're co-creating, making shit happen. Absolutely. I think think also, a funny little thing, my wife once called me ignorant. Um, Mm. Now, that's probably not the nicest thing you want to hear from your wife. No, but but we call men ignorant all the time, so don't worry, Steve. There you go. But my wife called it to me in the fact that I am ignorant to the – the result going any other way than I visualized it. And mm. you saying about blind faith, yes. I'll walk into a room just completely ignorant that it will go any other way than yeah. the way I've already realized is going to happen. I'm now just going through the steps to what was already assumed was going to be done. So I'm very ignorant to any kind of failure. That's what you got to be. Gary Vee's got the same philosophy. He doesn't have the um, law of attraction vision boards and shit, but he's got the same philosophy. So, guys, yeah. girls, sorry, if you're watching this, let's do this. Some blind freaking faith, confidence, and just take the action and whatever else, right? And enroll into oh, his yeah. mentorship course if you need some extra help along the way. All right. So, something that I really um, appreciated about hearing in your podcast, which won me over was when you spoke about the time of seeing two action heroes back in the days, can't remember the name, Rambo or someone else, and you were in the middle with a suit. Yeah. Please talk to us about that situation. The reason I mention it is because you realise, why was I wearing a suit? You were selling yourself out, and that's why I wore my pink dress today, because last time I wore a suit, but I love little pink dresses. So you inspired me. So tell me more. So I had been running this concierge for, a, for about eight years. I was dealing yeah. literally with the rich and powerful all over the planet. And I had got, I had got asked to put this party together in Monaco for Ferrari. Now, I'd been doing this business for like seven, eight years. I've been riding around on a motorcycle, wearing a black T-shirt, never really cared about what I looked like. That was never really the focus. But this party got me doubting. Now, every yeah. entrepreneur gets that self-doubt every now and then they get that intimidation yeah they get that kind of like um inferiority complex the the uh, the intruder that they shouldn't be there this hit me hard and it hit me so hard that i literally bought a car now i've always been on motorcycles last 12 years i haven't had a car not just any car you bought a ferrari carry on i bought a ferrari yeah because i was so concerned with what you thought and that's stupid. I literally bought handmade suits. I remember buying a, a watch that at the same time was the same price as a Range Rover. Damn. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I could buy a Range Rover or this watch. Now, I bought all of that because I was trying to impress you. Now, I went and did the party. Now, bear in mind, you need to understand, it was my party that these wow. people were coming to my party on board the yacht that I had rented. So I was in complete control, but even then I still had an inferiority complex. Well, I can understand that, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I remember. first impressions count, Steve. So there's a lot of pressure. Uh, they, they yeah. shouldn't, but they do. And the dumb thing was I changed to be somebody else that would appeal to you. And that's a bad calculation. And I got a photograph taken of me leaning up against the bar, and you got it right. It was between Sylvester Stallone and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger back in 1997 when these two were the biggest movie stars of the planet. And when I got home and I got my, my photograph sent to me in the post when we used to do it like that, I saw this picture and I realized I'm not in it. 
This clown in a suit was <laughs> this guy that had sold himself out. This yeah. guy that gave up on who he actually was. He was in the picture, but not me. It got me really upset. I sold the car, sold the watch, got you. rid of the suits and just went back to being me. I went back to focusing on you and not focusing on what I look like. Love it. Focusing on the client or the other person as opposed to his own facade and trying to be what you, what he thinks you want him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, what, let's talk about this. Um, what, do you, what is your opinion for the women out there or the guys who, who are going to be watching this channel for years to come? What's your opinion in regards to um, what we mentioned before? When someone first sees you, the split-second judgment they make about you? Because I've been in situations where I'm meeting with accountants for my digital marketing agency, it's my day off. I'm not even charging. I'm going there just to just have a banter or, you know, a coffee so they can rant on about what they're doing. And they may perceive me as too casual or too pretty and bubbly. And they'll make comments such as when you come to the Zoom meeting, make sure you don't look so pretty. And so I've had to feel very self-conscious about that. Um, so what's your opinion about showing up as you? What makes you feel comfortable? Well, first off, and I, I pray I can curse, but fuck them. Um, I want people to show up as them. I don't want a cartoon cut out. I don't want a a piece of you. I want you 100%. And if you are going to change you to turn up at any meeting we have, whether yeah. it be this podcast, whether it be having a business meeting, if you're going to change you in any way, shape, or form, then you haven't 100% shown up. And I want to see you, not the mm-hmm. facade of you. After years of dealing with, and I want to get into your story bit by bit, so let's not rush it, but after years, don't tell the audience too much, but after years of dealing with people, you know, from all different walks of life, including influential people, um, you did, do you really believe that? Do you think that people will look past your facade, will look past your looks if you can provide that solution, be of value and be a cool, authentic human? Have you met me? Look at me. You're cool. I yeah. literally ride around. I'm not cool, but I'm easy to decide. And I think that's the difference today. You know, I'm not the best looking guy on the planet, but I'm very easy to understand. And you're not going to meet me and be confused. You're not going to see me on stage. You're not going to see me walking down the street. You're not going to see me in a pub as anything other than me. So for a lot of people, I'm easy. And I noticed that when I was talking to some of these really powerful clients, anyone else would come in. And they'd almost bow and they'd like, oh, it's, it's, it's such an honor to be, oh, yeah, 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 sure. Me, I would just turn up and I'd be like, hey, what are we doing today? What are we going to do to make you more interesting? How are we going to solve your problem? And when you turn up as you, it actually makes the other person relax. I and like I've that. turned up to palaces. I've turned up to government buildings, uh, penthouses, mansions on a motorbike and walked into a meeting leather jacket, crash helmet in the hand and gone, right, what are we working on today? And I run a media company all over the world. I've run the concierge firm all over the world and I speak all over the world and I'm never different in any way of those. Love that. Now, going back to what you just said in regards to showing up as you and also because I've been looking into Steve, what he also says is it's not about you. It's about the solution when dealing with clients or dealing with people. It's about the solution. Is it ever about you? When you make these relationships, does it end up becoming about you too so you can feel valued? Or is it all about that person? It's always about the person. The value comes from me. Um, So in which case, the information I'm giving you is to help you. Mm -hmm. I become the source. 
Now, who doesn't want the source of something that yeah. solves that problem? So I become the source. No one, look, I've been married to the same lady. I met her, she was 16, I was 17. Okay. And I hope we, we die, uh, die uh, sorry, we die only ever being together. No one's going with me because they want to date me. No one's yeah. with me because they think I look like, you know, Brad Pitt. They're yeah. with me because I am the solution to that problem. And that's where the value comes in. They know that I'm very easy to communicate with. They know I'm direct. They know I'm not going to blow smoke up that skirt. I'm going to be there to solve that problem. And people in a, t in a day of mass distortion and noise, they like that clarity. Okay, I like that too. I like that too. Real to the point, blunt, say it as it is, and down to earth and friendly and chilled. One question. The grand scheme of everything that we're talking about doing, <clears throat> your book, your mentorship, is it about building networks for business or also friendship? Can we use these strategies to build friendships for the soft clocks out there that want to build friendship, not just business networks? Can this, these principles be used for friendship too? So there is a statement that I hate. Yeah. It's the statement that says, hey, it's not personal. It's just mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. I think today... Business is personal. I think every one of my relationships has to form as an easy connect and a relatable friendship first, and then we transfer it into business if it's relevant. But I've got no business relationships where I'm not a friend with that person. I'm okay. not going to take on a checkbook. I'm going to take on a person, and I focus on the person first every single time. Fantastic. I love that. And that speaks to me and um, anybody else who's with that tribe. That's fantastic to know, Steve. Never give them what they want. This was a YouTube video thumbnail cover. Never give them what they want. Can you please elaborate so that we can remember this? So today we're actually scared of saying what we want. Usually we say what we think the other person will accept of us to make us look smarter, more intelligent, more mm -hmm. articulate. And so I've always listened to people and I go, hey, don't give them what they want. Give them what they lust for and they desire. If someone comes in and says, hey, I want a yellow cake, say, hey, that sounds great. Why? Challenge yeah. them. Find out why there is a reason they want a yellow cake and then go, hey, that's great. Why don't I give you that yellow cake? But why don't I do some like green or red ones around the bottom as well? Add something. If you give people what they ask for, that's called a transaction. And Amazon is waiting to put you out of business. Don't be a transaction. Be a connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So go above and beyond when you can and bring your ideas to the table because people don't always know what they want. Correct? Yeah, they say the client's always right. Wrong. That's your job. The client doesn't know what they don't know. Yeah. You should today, more than any other time in our history, challenge every question people will say to me i had it today hey steve i want to do that why why mm -hmm. is this important why do you want to do that get to the root of the issue and go from there don't listen to what people say understand what they need got it you worked as a doorman and a bricklayer back in the days in london how old yeah. were you when you were doing that 16 when i was a bricklayer i think 17 and a half when i did my first door job Okay, and where were you working as a doorman back in the days? So I did a little bit of it in London, then I miraculously and remarkably mm -hmm. got a job in Hong Kong, 
And oh, I wow. flew, yeah, I, it was ridiculous. My friend worked in a bank, mm-hmm. and they were recruiting stockbrokers for a new operation okay. in Hong Kong, and they wanted to employ 60 people. So yeah. he talked me into getting a job, and I thought, great, I'm going to be driving around in Porsches and mm-hmm. private jets. I landed in Hong Kong on the Sunday. I did orientation on the Monday, and I was fired on the Tuesday. Wow. So. <laughs> By the following week of just walking around Hong Kong thinking, what am I going to do? Um, I ended up getting a job at a nightclub because I'm big and ugly. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was it. I thought I've gone from a bricklayer, which is a masonry, which is a skilled profession, mm-hmm. yeah, to a job description, which is go punch that bloke. Mm-hmm. And awesome. I just hated it. I hated myself. Yeah. But here's the thing. What? All entrepreneurs are the same. We don't deal with what we've been given. We look at it and we go, okay, how can I make this work for me? Mm -hmm. And that's what I did when I was working on the door. And once I'd got over my self-pity for a couple of days, I thought to myself, okay, how can I make this the best opportunity in my life? And I started focusing on the people. I started looking at the crowds. I started looking at the people coming in, the bartenders, the wait staff. And I started getting a PhD in human psychology Mm. from watching people, from interacting. And I'm telling you now, I've worked with everyone from Elon Musk, Elton John to the Vatican. I wouldn't have been able to do any of that had I not learned how to communicate people at a basic level in a nightclub. Fantastic. So um, what do you think that, um, what did you notice? Also, you said that you noticed that, um, you said that you notice affluent people have a certain style or confidence. This is true because I know that not all affluent people have confidence. But what did you analyze through your years of working there? What did you pick up? Actually, that's that's a good way of putting it. And it's a good segue. You say that affluent people have a certain kind of confidence. They have a certain kind of nonchalance. Mm. The person that turns up with maybe too much, in air quotes, confidence nine times out of 10 doesn't actually have anything to back yeah. it up. The person that turns up kind of all lardy die, yeah, look at me, look at my suit, look at my watch, mm-hmm. look at my car. It's all rented. And we can rent any of that for, uh, you know, tonight. Mm-hmm. But the person with money usually is the person that's not trying to show off. I don't know a single rich person in my client bank that's taken a picture of them on a, on a jet. Not yeah. one of them. And they own the jets. But not one of them has taken a photograph of themselves on it. So the affluent people, they run by a different, a different code of rules. And the people pretending to be, mm-hmm. they want you to be aware that they've got this to impress you. They yeah. need the adoration. So I suddenly started noticing the difference between those. I, I'll tell you a quick story. A yeah. friend of mine that had a, a Ferrari dealership mm-hmm. said to me, the guy that turns up on a Saturday wearing a suit, to look at the Ferraris, he can't afford it. But the guy turning up in jeans and ripped up sneakers on a Tuesday is probably on his third. It's probably, yeah, it's true in most cases, right? Yep. Hmm. Okay. And um, why did you meet Elon Musk? Why? Uh, How? (laughs) Why? How? Why? Because who didn't want to? Um, I did too, was. I was asked to put an event together uh, at SpaceX. Um, I had a bunch of clients that wanted to learn about space. Hey, Who's the best person to talk yeah. about it? So I arranged this event where I had about 60 of the world's richest people in the planet actually went into SpaceX in Hawthorne 
and interviewed Elon Musk on the future mm. of space travel. So it was an exceptional time. My clients were happy. I was happy. And I got to spend quite a bit of time with him. How did you organize the event with 60 people, including Elon Musk? Can you share with us your secrets? My secrets is focusing on the details, never focus on the big stuff. You know, mm -hmm. these are 60 literally of the world's most powerful people. So you've got to focus on security. You've got to focus on secrecy. You've got to focus on comfort. Mm -hmm. How can I put 60 of the world's most powerful people in the same room where they're not going to want to kill each other because of political views. Mm -hmm. So by putting them in a view in a room together, but eyes forward, focusing on a man that they all admired, they had a commonality, regardless of where they were from. And we had the richest man. We had Raj Tatar from India. We mm. had the richest people in Mexico in the same room, all staring at Elon Musk. <clears throat> you should set up a dating event and um, let me get invited or be the host. I'd appreciate <laughs> that. And a lot of a lot of other chicks would too. Awesome. <laughs> so a little bit of a strange question that you probably haven't been asked. So us philosophers out there believe and poets believe that the world is a stage and we all have characters. We are all playing characters. And it's true. Um, to a certain degree, people are playing characters. Even when you say, wake up, be authentic, be your true self, some deep souls might not even know who the hell they are because they might wake up moody one day. You get it. All right. Do you believe that you need to create an illusion, a facade, or play on something in the business and just world in general rather than allowing everything to come out and being too spontaneous? I think that I don't think coming out and being spontaneous is a bad thing. I just think it, it it needs to be it needs to have a combination. As I say, every time I've gone broke, it's been based on me getting involved in a deal that didn't make sense that I didn't focus with. Interesting. But those bad deals that I had created experience and education, mm -hmm. which led me to better deals. So for every time I've lost a hundred thousand dollars, arrogantly I've made a million because I learned the lessons from that. Love that. So I think today. We need to just stop trying to hide our imperfections and grasp them. We need to own them. When you screw up and you make a mistake, now you're educated. Mm -hmm. Now you're experienced. Now you're credible. So in yeah. which case, own that and grow into that character that owns their own mistakes and doesn't allow it to define them. It allows it to refine them. Mistakes are part of the learning process anyway. They so, are the entirety of the learning that. process. It's just a work in progress constantly. So according to Steve, Steve, be yourself, show up as yourself, be comfortable. People feel comfortable around you when you're comfortable, but also be slightly strategic. Don't be messy. You know, learn from experiences, make decisions and look at the details, girls. Yeah, it does. See, the trouble is a what? lot of people will walk into a room and the first thing that they don't want to do is repel people repel especially people. the ladies they yeah. don't want to walk into a room and have people not like them mm. well i'm sorry ladies but who gives a shit there's going to be people in that room that don't like you no matter what you do yeah. if well, you Steve. show up as you you'll get more people relating to you and they will be greater connections yeah when i was younger or perhaps even now who knows now i don't really i'm not even thinking about that but when i was younger there was certainly a time when I would go into a room and I didn't give a fuck if I wasn't liked. And, but you see, 
that wasn't a great thing because I wasn't going in there with the intention of making every single people feel comfortable. I would go there and just do me, talk to whoever I wanted. And if I didn't like someone or if I didn't click with someone, I wouldn't make an effort. These days I've been trying to make an effort connecting with every single person, every single female that's in the room, for example, and try to build a bond. And if someone's a little bit awkward or weird around me, I sometimes think maybe they're anxious, maybe they're nervous, maybe they're you know fearful. So yeah. now bother. And it's working out better for me now. Do you know, the funny thing is, yeah. those people that are around you that are a little bit awkward, they're yeah. just looking to qualify you. They're just right. looking to understand you. You can find that nine times out of ten, the person that loves you within two seconds of meeting you oh, and the person that you've actually had to communicate with that was a little bit awkward or resistant yeah. or a bit shy, that person's going to be a greater relationship with you than the first person. You're right. I have a conservative friend who doesn't like many friends, doesn't like many people, best friend of 16 years. Why? Because it took her ages to have a bond. Most loyal there person you go. doesn't care about others. Yeah, love that. So you talk about teaching people um, how to meet, um, just how to build relationships, influential people, make your network your net worth rather than wasting your time on Tinder and getting nothing out of it. That's just my two cents, by the way. Um, what's the <laughs> secret? Give us a hint, please. How what? Refine the question. Yes, thank you. I lost myself just then. I was just thinking about that on the side of my head. How to meet, okay, so where does one get started if they want to start meeting people and, um, you know, making their network a little bit bigger and more strategic, more valuable? Where does right. one start? Okay, all right. Great question. Absolutely Thanks. fantastic question. The first place that they've got to look is in the mirror. Oh, wow. Who are they showing up as? Ooh. Again, if you're showing up and you're worried about how people look at you, so you put on too much makeup, too much ambience, too much over-personality that hides the real you, when you do make that connection, are they connecting with you or mm. are they connecting with the facade? So the first thing is look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, who am I? What do I stand for? Yeah. What do I solve? What do I love? What am I passionate about? And almost have it as a mantra. And then when you go into a room, you're not trying to attract everybody. You're mm -hmm. trying to attract certain people. Yeah. Those people that you share a commonality with. And you want to have, because I'll tell you quite simply, mm -hmm. I am the worst person at a networking party. Mm -hmm. I try to avoid them like the plague, but I'm either speaking at the event or a client's there and has asked me to come. I will go to the event, yeah. I will go to the bar, I'll grab an old-fashioned, and I will look at the crowd. And I can be a bit intimidating sometimes, mm -hmm. and I'll just like be staring mm -hmm. at everyone until I see that person. And again, usually it's that awkward person that suddenly makes eye contact with me, and then I'll literally just either walk up to them or they'll walk up to me, and we'll start having a conversation. And I want to have a conversation. When you go to an event and there's 200 yep. people in there, try to make two connections, not 200, two. And you'll yeah. become richer every single time you do that. I love that. So don't try to go there and win everybody over. Know who you are. Look in the mirror. Some stillness is appreciated. Um, and go find people that you really resonate with rather than trying to get along with everybody. Yep. That's well valuable. Said. That's pretty cool. Love that. So the membership community you got, you've got a community called Simmers Distillery, which is quite affordable. Um, is this a mentorship or a course? And in, in this program, you teach people how to achieve the impossible. You say connect with the most powerful people in the world, achieve the next level within your business and make an impact and much more. Tell us about this and why you started it. 
it's it's horrible, <laughs> which is not how someone should describe their own community. But I built a course. Yeah. And because I'd released the book, people were asking me, was there a course? I did 16 videos and I sold this course. Mm. And I hated the fact that I was selling a course. So I shut it down. Wow. Now what we have is yeah. we have Sims Distillery, which is a community. So mm-hmm. all of the course videos, that's still on there. Anytime okay. I do a speech, that's on there. But I have a community now. So when you're a member of Sims Distillery, Mm -hmm. you automatically become a member of my private Facebook group. (laughs) And I do constant lives, interviews. People will text me and go, hey, how do I speak on more stages? How do I connect with this person? How do I raise money for a charity? How do I launch a business website? And I'll get one of my friends and we'll go on to the Facebook community We'll do a live where you can all ask questions and then we'll take that recording and post it back into the Sims Distillery so it now becomes a library. So it's a community. Sims Distillery gets you into my Speakeasy Facebook group where you get Mm. to communicate with me. Love that. Fair enough. How do you juggle your day-to-day life? What is your average day like or your average week? Are you someone who works a few hours a day, a few days a week or every single day? You look relaxed. I'm very relaxed and I I control my day by controlling my smiles. If I'm doing something that doesn't make me smile, then I'll either not do it or I'll try to offset it or I'll question why is it there to start with. So I don't work a few hours a day. I work as many days as I can to create the maximum amount of impact. Mm. So if I'm tired, then I'll only work a couple of hours that day or maybe just just an hour or not at all. I'll go for a motorcycle mm-hmm. ride with my wife. Yeah. But then the following day, if I'm if I'm motivated and I'm happy, hey, my wife's tapping me on the shoulder at 11.30 at night saying, hey, enough, stop. Yeah. So you just get into your flow state and you work with it. So the bottom line of it is move with impact. When you're not making impact, Ow. stop doing anything. Move with impact. You gave me the answer to one of my questions. Last night I was burnt out, tired, stressed, in bed, dealing with Chinese manufacturers for my streetwear brand that I'm launching. Tired, because I'm not in China, I can't touch the fabric, you know, I wasted wasted enough money back in the past on bad samples, I'm trying to move forward in life. By 10 p.m. I got up and I had a cold shower and I said to myself, that was a choice, you didn't have to be miserable that hot time, why were you so miserable for? Then I asked a question on my Instagram saying, guys, do you keep priming yourself or working through overwhelm? Everybody said, just take a break. You don't need to keep priming. But I kept working through it. I always do that. So I mm. like what you said about what did you just say? Take a break, right? Work. You got to take a break, mate. And it's always the same. But the worst thing is when someone, it always used to annoy me. Someone would get to 9.30 in the morning and things weren't going that way. And then they would say like, oh, I'm having a terrible day. Oh, yeah. How can you be having a terrible day? The day hasn't even started yet. It's 9.30 yeah. in the morning and you're already throwing it away. So you've got to just stop. When you, when you stop making impact, stop. Step out. Relax. Read a book. Walk the dog. Go for a jog. Take a cold shower. Swim. Whatever you want to do. And then start again. Cool. When you stop making impact, stop. There you go. Yeah. And that was a good little thing for all the girls and guys out there. So we're not saying stop at 9 a.m. Mine started at 9.45 a.m. I was getting burnt out. I didn't stop till 9 p.m. So you could stop at like 3 p.m. if it's really not working and you need some creativity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've been married for how long now? 25, 30 years? 
God, yeah, it's, uh, I'm 55, so I think we've been together for, I think it's 37 years or something like that. Yeah, and what's a marriage and a happy relationship? Give us some tips to the people out there who are married, not happy, because I've got a few friends out there that feel as though marriage ties them down, they don't have freedom. Is it the wrong person or is it just not enough banter? Um, Me and my wife, we have two things. We have standards, yeah. and if I don't meet her standards – as a gentleman, as a husband, as a partner, she'll call me out on it. And I'm the same with her. So our standards have never got lower. They've actually increased every year. I demand more from you. And she steps up and she demands more from me. So we've got that. But we also spend a lot of time riding motorbikes for breakfast, going for a pizza in the evening, walking down the beach. Awesome. We spend a lot of time together laughing and smiling. So have standards and be prepared to pull each other up on it, demand more. It's when you stop having those difficult conversations that you stop growing as a couple. And that's yep. what I see a lot of people. They have an awkward moment and then they both back out of it. And it just starts a tear in the relationship. 100%. I could never see myself not having an awkward discussion in a relationship, but I definitely have come across people who um, they make it impossible for you to communicate where you have to walk the other way. Yep. Yeah. So, Steve, um, how often are you on the podcast and what made you start the podcast? I'm enjoying your podcast sessions. And did you have the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad on there? I was listening to 11 p.m. at night when I was No, I haven't, I haven't had him on there. You know, no, right. I, I haven't. Um yeah, guy. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't had him on there, but I've had. Um, oh God, you put me on a. There spot was a guy now. that sounded like him while I was half asleep. That's why I asked. <laughs> no, I have a lot of interesting. I have famous. I have non-famous. Ooh. I have real characters. Like last week, I was in um, Arizona, yeah. and I was into the the day before I was in Arizona. I was interviewing a world-class Le Mans winning racing driver. And then the following day, I was interviewing the hitman to the mafia in New oh, York. Wow. So cool. I'm always interviewing different interesting people because awesome. I just want to understand where's your head? How yeah. did you get into that? Why did you get into that? And I found that your business folk, they yeah. have great strategies. But a lot of business folk have the same strategies. Mm, so right. I want to I learn about business from someone that's maybe in a different kind of business. I had a priest, you know, how are you committed to the, to, to, you know, being in your religion yeah. when there's so much scandal about it, you know? So I'm always having great conversations. And I think the reason I'm doing it and I've been doing, it, I think for about three or four years mm -hmm. now is I'm curious to have those conversations. Love that. You see, I let's be blunt. I I'm I'm successful financially, married, mm -hmm. my home, my life. I'm happy, but I don't want to be the same person today that I am in six months' time. In six months' time, I want to stretch the way I think, stretch the way I do oh. things. I want to challenge myself. Mm. If I don't, then I become still stationary, stagnant, yeah. and die. I don't want to be that person. Yeah. So I would say in today's world. Stay curious. Yes. Isn't that a quote that Einstein said as well? Curiosity is everything. Like all the most successful, interesting people believed in that. So Yes, absolutely. they are. They're all curious. Yeah, absolutely. It's the only way to learn as well, girls, staying curious rather than just, you know, having a judgment and sticking with it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%.
this thing that you do called bluefish um tell the girls what it's about because it's quite attractive sounding and i guess lots of people would want to make contacts and become the source and the networker i would <laughs> so i built i built bluefish as an excuse as a trojan horse oh, yeah. um i don't do much with it now um, you were throwing I'm, a lot of parties back in the days for anybody who doesn't know oh, it was spontaneous God, yeah. from parties I was I was traveling between Bangkok, China, uh, Geneva, Stad, Monaco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I felt like I was James Bond half the time. You know, I would literally wake up in cities and countries and not know where I was, and I just happened to be meeting with like the head of the country or the top film star or movie star or people that you'd never heard of that just happened to own things like the Power Grid, and they just happened to be worth trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just set them up with things, you know, exotic travel, private houses, you know, fly superstars in the play yeah, piano, join a barbecue. How did it get like that? That's what people are curious about. It started by getting people into nightclubs. Uh-huh. I was the doorman of the nightclub. And if my nightclub was quiet, I knew where everyone was going. So I mm. would stop people coming into my nightclub and I'd be like, look, it's, it's, it's quiet mm-hmm. tonight. Go to that nightclub. And so I started focusing on looking after the client. And I would get the boss of the Mm. nightclub yell at me, why are you turning people away? And I'd say, because if they come in here tonight, they're going to know it's shit. They're never going to come back here again. At least I know by me turning them away tonight, they'll come back to me tomorrow because they trust my judgment. Love Um, that. And that's what started happening. And then I would get them into private parties. And when Cartier was having a socialite party, I'd get them into that. And, I just started climbing up and I went, I ended up working with the New York fashion week, the Grammys mm. out on John's Oscar party, formula mm. one. And the parties just got bigger and bigger and bigger, but it mm. all started by focusing on the client and making sure he didn't come into a crappy nightclub and just sending him to someone else's party. Cause I valued the relationship more than just getting the tip to get him into yeah. a bad nightclub. I'm all about that. I do that in my daily life in in a different capacity. For example, telling them, you know, my contacts for a developer that, you know, won't charge them an arm and a leg when I could charge them a leg. Trust, it's important. Authenticity, it's important. Now, yeah, this day and age, um, if people, if women are not bouncers, if they don't have the capability, they don't have, you know, the capability to be in an environment like that, how can one, how can a woman these days who is nice and authentic and wants to meet people, how can she do that? Everybody hates doing it via LinkedIn. Do you have any strategies for women in business these days? You. Let's be honest. I'm I'm talking about you. You see, you've just dissed social. At the beginning, you said to me, you know, what do I think of it? And I said, it's good and it's evil. It depends on how you use the tool. Um, oh, you I'm being a source and a connector right now, contacting you, getting you on here. Love well, that. You see, that's the whole point. You God, went I'm out of your way. You know, pure hearted, Steve. So humble. <laughs> I didn't even consider it. Carry on. All right, great tip. Thanks. So reach out, make the connection. Don't be scared. You did it. You did Good. exactly that. You reached out to me. Good. You made a connection. You made it fun. You made it interesting. And we connected. And then- I just done it. Get shit to happen and put in the research and put in the time and put in the effort. And that was it. That's, yeah. that's all it took for you to do. You got over yourself and you made the connection. And look at us now. We're old pals. 
Love that. I want to end the show on that note because you um, just excited me with that end comment. I feel great about myself. <laughs> I'm ready to go reach out to Elon Musk now. Um, all right, but on another note, do you have any words of wisdom or your favourite quote or something that got you through moments of self-doubt or struggle with the girls and with any guys watching this who want to change their life? I do. My mm -hmm. dad was not the smartest guy on the planet. He was a thick-headed Irish bricklayer. But my dad one day said to me, son, no one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. Okay. And that was it. You have the choice as to whether or not you stay there. Mm -hmm. Get up, draw yourself off, get going. Take that in, guys. If you're in a hard spot, had a bad past relationship, don't sit there drowning. Get up. And as I say, submission is never a choice. We got this. To wave to the audience because we're going to say goodbye to them. Bye, guys. Bye. Follow Steve on all his socials below. And if you want to reach out to him, you can reach out with the links below in the comments.